Hey, Stuart. Good. Well, I was going to say evening, but I suppose it really depends on what time you're listening to the podcast. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's good to hear your voice again. It's been a while. Well, we had the tail end of the summer off. I mean, after rebellion, it took me about two months to recover. Yeah, well, there was uh, there was quite a few festivals over the summer that turned, uh, and life got in the way. Yeah. And uh, we decided to take a, a well-earned break, as, uh, and we called it the end of Series 1. And here we are now into Series 2 with our new soundtrack. Alice Cooper has been replaced by the wonderful Pete Bentham and the Dinner Ladies with uh, Dead's Not Punk, which is available on Spotify, so please go and stream now uh, as many times as you can. And, um, you know, Pete will be one of the guests that we have coming up on this new... Uh, how would I say? It's a new format. New format of Dead's Not Punk called the A to Z of Punk. We'll have Pete's, we've got Metal Street coming up, we've got Noah and the Loners, we've got the Benefits, the Ramonas, Red Mother Clothing. So shout out to all of them, all great people that we've met and have met at uh, festivals over the summer. Uh, so we're lining up uh, some interviews with them. Uh, don't forget to jump on our socials. Instagram is the most popular one. And uh, Stuart, if you can turn off your, um, yeah, what's that? What's it called? Um, your, uh, I've just got a notification through there. But yeah, Instagram, Dead's Not Punk on Instagram. Follow that. Uh, we've gained quite a, a few new followers over the summer, which is really good. So we'll keep building that up. But A to Z of Punk. So what is it, Stuart? Well, I have a good question. I mean, we thought that we would, I mean, we, when we were at Rebellion, we were in a bar. <laughs> I know yes. that's hard to believe. But we thought, how could we do this? And then we started by challenging each other to list names of bands beginning with A. And we were working our way through the alphabet after having a few fruit-based beverages. And <laughs> uh, we, we, got, we were going through A, and then we realised this could be quite a good format for the new show. So the idea is we found six headings... And we are going to give each other one item from each of those categories or headings to talk about that has to begin with uh, or be based around the letter A, and then we'll move on through B and on through the alphabet. If we have a guest on the show, we'll give them the opportunity to talk about those headings. The guest will be in relation will be related to the letter, but they can talk about whatever they like around the headings. So basically, yeah. the headings are... So what, go on. Yeah. Well, you, you you read them out. Okay, so basically, so the first one's an artist beginning with the relevant letter. Then the then the then the heading is culture, which can include a book, a film, a TV show, radio, etc. Current affairs, anything to do with politics or social commentary or things that were going on out there, you know, during that are related to punk and begin with that relevant letter. Trends, which can include fashion or the creative industries, etc. Social, which is all about recreational things or things that were going on that people were doing socially to entertain themselves or anti-socially to that matter. Yeah. 
Uh, and then your favourite gig or a relevant gig or album title relevant to the letter. So artist, culture, current affairs, trends, social, gig or album. Those are the six Excellent. categories. And then we'll – so we're kicking off with A. We're going to see how this format kind of pans out and works out for us. We're, there'll probably be some few tweaks along the way. Um, and uh, I, so, I mean, I, you did a couple of shout-outs there at the beginning to Pete Bentham and to Meryl Streak and Benefits, etc. And Benefits and Meryl Streak obviously being two of our favourite artists of the moment. I think um, uh, it's also worth just saying that uh, we need to say a big shout out to um, BSI Merch, who who support the podcast yep. and have helped us get to this point. If you are a band and you're looking to do merchandise, you could do a lot worse than check out BSI Merch. You'll find them online. Uh, ethical, um, big independent uh, merchandise producers, really bun- great bunch of people and have really, really helped us out. So thanks to Andy and the team at BSI Merch. And, you know, we always give you a shout out because you have been so brilliant in helping us. So anyway, on with this. Um, so what, what are we going to do then, Ewan? We're going to get started? Well, I mean, we did sort of do the E of uh, artists when we were at Rebellion. And uh, there were so many that were so obvious. So I've decided to pick one that's not so obvious. But what I'm going to try and do is give an anecdote around the artist uh, that, you know, is relevant to us and relevant to what we, we, we've we been involved in and where we've come from. So I'm going to go real left field here. There was a band in Wales uh in the sort of early 80s, you could possibly call them post-punk, I suppose, uh, called Anthreven, right? And I don't know if I've pronounced that correctly, but uh, Anthreven was, uh, you know, they were from from Bangor in North Wales, and they initially only sang in Welsh, right? Now, Stuart, if I go on too much, you've got to cut me off because, you know, this is the point of this. We can't, you know, Bandle Champion by John Peel, they're on Spotify, you should check out what they do. But most famously, they were featured on, on the Tube in 1987, and uh, but they were largely ignored by the British press, the NME and the Sounds and the Melody Maker. But where I met them was on the Rock Against the Rich tour with Joe Strummer, and they were the main support. There was actually two main supports on that tour, uh, and Threven and uh, a London reggae band called One Style MDF. And... Uh, I, I bonded with the guys from Anthreven and we toured with them and we played some shows with them after the Rock Against the Rich tour. I remember us going, I think we went down to Manchester and played some shows with them down there as well. So I'm going to mention them as, you know, an influence to me and an influence about, you know, an influence of artists who can speak in their own language and you know put their own language across into music as well is something that punk allowed us to do, right? Because yeah. it was about doing it the way that wasn't done before, right? And uh, members of Anthreven went on to be in bands like Super Furry Animals and stuff like that. And, in, and not, not so long ago, Reese from the band played bass on Helen Love single, One, Two, Three, Four, D.D. Ramone. Helen Love, again, another band that I championed from Wales. And uh, I'm a big fan of Welsh music. You know, there's been great bands, the Manics from Wales, you know, great bands. I'm going to remind you that we've got to try and keep this to a minute. Otherwise, you're going to talk for 30 minutes. (laughs) Punk bands from Wales. And I'm going to have a minute to, to not mention The Damned. No, but the damned can be mentioned, sure, because that's D. I know, but Algie <laughs> Ward begins with A. 
All right, okay. Seven so, Algie Ward this year is my secret mention of the damned, and I'm going to try and get the damned in all the way through the alphabet. I'll think of something. Algie Ward. Anyway. Right. Well, yeah, there you go. Yeah. And, and Threven is mine, who were on a label called Workers' Playtime. I don't know well, if you Workers' Playtime is actually, there's a, a reference to Workers' Playtime because that was run out of the same office in the UK as Alternative Tentacles, which we'll talk about later, by a wonderful Excellent. gentleman called Bill Gilliam, who I've got a lot of time for. He's a really nice guy. And Workers' Playtime were a great label. And if you you know want to go and find out about independent music, you should look, up, look them up. Good, bloody good people. Um, well, there's, there's there's my A for Starfields, right? Okay, great. So we're off the we're off we're off the mark there. Got some scores on the doors. I'm yeah. going Angelic Upstarts. Oh, Mency. Yeah, the Mency. wonderful Mency. Yeah, because I I love them and um, they were a great brand. Obviously formed in South Shields in 1977. And talking about bands that sort of utilise their own language. Obviously they were from Tyneside and uh, yeah. I think if you know anyone from Tyneside, you realise that they do actually also have their own language. Uh, I can't understand it a lot of the time, but great band. Um, obviously, you know, famously made the first album, um, and I, the Teenage Warning, and I think it was produced by Jimmy Percy. I think you're right there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to talk for ages about Angelic Upstarts other than say they are a great band, and if you're anybody who's interested in punk and its origins... Um, go and check out the Murder Little Towers. The first album by the yeah. Angelic Upstarts, Teenage Warning, should be in your collection. Um, is the mother is the mother of Little Towers about the supermarket? No, that's the mother, oh. Murder of Oldie Towers. The Murder of <laughs> Little Towers is uh, is uh, about the death of someone in police custody. But um, but they also wrote a great song about the war in Afghanistan. Was it Last Night Another of... Soldier? Yeah, that's right. They made they wrote well, they wrote loads of great songs and real down to earth guy. You know, a lot of skinhead support and, and you know fans, but ultimately real anti-fascist band. You know, yeah. played in, played another A here. Uh, they did a, a, a well-known gig at HM Prison, Acklington, which would be wow. uh, so. There's a there's a little A there. I'm trying to chuck the A's in. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> my, my my artist beginning with A is Angelic Upstarts. Um, let's move on to category two, which is culture, which can be a book, a film, a TV show, or radio. You, I'm passing the talking stick back to you. Oh, on culture. Oh, sure. Uh, I thought about this long and hard, and uh, you know, I looked at films and I looked at books and TV shows, and uh, I'm going to I'm going to use a book I've read in the last year uh, as my A, which is. Art of Darkness, uh, the book by John Robb. It's actually called The Art of Darkness, so I'm pushing it a bit there. But yeah. uh, The Art of Darkness is uh, it's all about the goth scene and the history of goth. And uh, I, I, you know, I bumped into John at Rebellion in Blackpool. And it, again, another great guest that we'd love to have on as his uh, musical commentary throughout the years is one that I've definitely followed. And if you don't follow his website, please go on and uh, have a look at Louder Than War, as it's a real good insight to new up-and-coming music and an insight into the punk scene. And, you know, and alternative culture scenes over the, over the last sort of uh, 35 years. So it, it, it's really good. I mean, the way I look on The Art of Darkness is John Savage wrote a book called uh, England's Dreaming, which you might remember, sure. Yeah. yeah, great book, which was, you know, basically, you know, 
well documented about punk and uh, and John's taken a similar route with this book about goth and uh, you know I could go on and mention all the variety of different uh, artists that are mentioned and I think I've mentioned before uh, when I was reading it in series one that uh, you know he's claiming that you know the Doors were probably the first band that were given a gothic sort of. Uh, a tinge to them or a gothic name to them but it wasn't until the sort of early 80s when bands like the cramps came along and you know the cramps really um you know sort of set out what goth was and then that, out of that Bauhaus as well you got Bauhaus and you got yeah. uh, sisters and the mission and emerging out of punk you know it was yeah yeah but you, you know the funniest thing, though, which uh, which comes across really well in the book, none of these none of these bands ever wanted to be called goth, right? Oh, no. It was it, it was a a, a media uh, pigeonhole. I mean, a media pigeonhole that uh, you know the music press stamped on people who happened to like to wear a bit of eyeliner and long dark mm. coats. But uh, yeah, that's my culture. Okay. Uh, my culture is The Art of Darkness, uh, The History of Goth by John Robb. So okay. if you get a chance to check it out, um, I think it's getting reissued in a different format in the next few weeks. So look out for it. I'm sure there'll be more reviews across a variety of different uh, papers and websites and stuff like that. But yeah, no, The Art of Darkness. That's mine. Stuart, back to you. I, I, I New 15 Love. <laughs> no, okay, thank you for uh, giving me the talking stick back. Um, well, as you said, culture is such a great big category, isn't it? With book, film, TV shows, and radio. I mean, there's just so much to talk to. I, I started thinking about films. I mean, there was mainstream movies like Alien and Apocalypse Now, you know, which I'm not choosing, and so I'm not going to talk right. about them. And there was underground films like Altered States, and then there was punk films, American Hardcore, and Another State of Mind, the American movie with. Um, the guys from Youth Brigade and Social Distortion, but a lot, a lot of things to tempt me. But um, I, I think I'm probably uh, going to go for uh, the, a book by um, Mike Deans, and it's called The Aesthetic of Our Anger, um, or Aesthetic of Our Anger, and it's the, it's the story of a narco-punk, which is obviously very close to my heart. And uh, yeah. and it goes, it's, you know, got contributions from various different bands from the scene and really took a real deep dive into it. It's a great book. I, I've had it for, for a while and, and I've sort of gone through it, read it once, gone through it, gone back to it a few times. So when we've been doing the, the podcast, you know, I've used it as a bit of a reference uh, tool. Um, mm. There was one other book I, I was going to give a shout out to, which was the Anarchist Cookbook. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is a bit of sort of a classic from the 70s. But I think... Which is a bit sort of a bit of a tongue in cheek book, really, and in, in, mm. back on it now. But um, uh, but aesthetic of our anger by Mike Dean's The History of a Narco Punk would be my book. Um, and I think I'm so going to so, you, you you've sort of covered two things there because the next topic is political social commentary, people, current affairs. Yeah, and I actually had an narco punk in there, so you can't use an narco. Won't punk. use that. I've got another one for that. But I'll let you. I'll let you go. I'm handing the handing it back to you now on. On current affairs, you, you current affairs, political, social commentary, people. I'm going to choose. I mean, I looked a lot at this. You know, I could have chosen American hardcore. I looked at Viv Alba teams from the Slits. I looked at anarcho punk. I looked at you know anti-war, ACAB, anti-authoritarianism, anti-racism. I'm going to use the anti-Nazi league. 
which yeah. I became aware of in 1977. And yeah. the Anti-Nazi League and Rock Against Racism were, you know, two of the big organisations that uh, really came to the fore with punk. And uh, a lot of our listeners will remember the famous uh, show in Victoria Park um, where The Clash appeared with uh, Steel Pulse, I believe, played that show as well. Uh, who we we saw at Rebellion, but Jimmy Percy came on and did White Riot with The Clash, which was probably one of those defining moments in punk that, uh, you know, it could change, it could start to change things, right? The Anti-Nazi League and Rock Against Racism, there's a great Rock Against Racism film, which is available on Amazon, which is called... White Riot. White Riot. White Riot, which is about the history of Rock Against Racism. Watch that. And it can, great. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And, it, you know, and it's still so relevant today that we have these organisations like Hope mm. Not Hate and uh, Love Music, Hate Racism. Uh, there's also, I know it's through the week, there's all, there's a big event coming up at the Barrowland in Glasgow for Love Glasgow, Hate Racism. So it's still a, you know, it's still out there, racism, and uh, it's still rife in our country. Well, especially and, uh, with the whole sort of thing that the mainstream media, I was going to say right-wing media, yeah. but that is the mainstream media, sort of keep banging on about immigration, and it's pulling Immig- the, pulling yeah, the racism it's... sort of back, and you know, it's not as defined as it was with the National Front, etc. It's more subtle but more dangerous. So well yeah. done. That's a great one. I was just going to mention... Um, Ruby Kashar, who directed White Riot, I think it came. It was made in. It came out sort of twenty twenty one, or it was uh, anyway. Uh, it was sort of just around sort of COVID time, I seem to remember. But I watched it. Was, that. Yeah. It was an absolutely yeah. brilliant film. So real good, really good call, Ewan, on that one. And I, I agree with you. It's a really good topic and a really one good one to have, have talked about. I mean, X Ray Specs, Steel Pulse. You know, they're all mentioned. The Clash, Jimmy Percy coming up on stage. I mean, it's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, and um, was it? Uh, I mean, they had they had that big event in uh, in Victoria. Was it Victoria Park or was it uh, Brockwell Park? I think they had another one in Brockwell Park in the uh, in the nineties, which Billy Bragg did with Manic Street yeah. Preachers and Credit to the Nation and Smash. Do you remember them? Yeah, I do. Smash, yeah. I do. Yeah. yeah, and Credit to yeah, the Nation. So- yeah, yeah, Credit to the Nation were well ahead of their time when it comes to UK yeah. hip-hop. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Anti-Nazi League on that one. Right, OK, well, I'm going to go with Animal Rights. All right, OK, cool. And uh, I first came into, became aware of Animal Rights basically because of bands like Flux of Pink Indians and Conflict, you know, and right. I hadn't thought about any of that stuff before, and I hadn't put two and two together. And obviously, I turned vegetarian. I did laps for a while, but I'm, veg- I'm a vegetarian to this day. And um, and uh, just recently, I think animal rights has become sort of, you know, back into the fore. And I look around now with veganism and you know the issues relating to animal rights. It's just unbelievable how far all of that stuff has come, but still so much to do. And Animal Liberation Front and and, and animal rights. You know, anti-fox hunting, etc., was something I just would never have thought of if it hadn't been for, you know, bands like that and how they explained it all and the and the the links and connections to the world and global warming and I mean these are things what they were talking about in, in the early eighties. You know, the, yeah, the, but and that that was the that was the beauty of of punk. You know, yeah. where whatever year it was, it opens your eyes up to to things 
that are culturally around you that you might not be aware of. But if somebody suddenly takes a stance or educates you about a certain area that you feel, you know, sort of passionate about and want to learn more about, you know, the anti-Nazi League, Rock Against Racism, yeah, anti-fox hunting, all of that. It's horrible. Yeah. You know, we should... I mean, the reason that these... Um, these exist is because there are things that are wrong in society. And, uh, you know, if we can make a change through music, art, culture, lyrics, whatever, you know, and you know, make people stand up and take and make a difference. Yeah, well, you know, will... another really important A in relation to all of this is awareness. I mean, those bands yeah. drove awareness. Those big events were about awareness, and they and they and they brought all of these issues to the fore. And and there's and the successes and the strides forward that have been made in, you know, animal rights and vegetarianism and, and anti-fascism and stuff is is directly linked to all of that stuff. And then people should be proud of what's been achieved. But there's so much more to do. Shall we move on though? Otherwise, we're going to end up talking about. I mean, I'll happily talk about animal rights and anti-fascism. Well, we shall. We shall. We sh yeah. We shall move on. But you know. Just, I wanted to say that what we speak about on this podcast is sometimes, you know, it's great to have that platform to be able to speak your mind on things that are we're passionate about. That maybe some acts today and artists today don't find that power to say those things as much as they did in the past because of, you know, the backlash that they will receive across social media. And the backlash that they receive across all, you know, all social platforms, and uh, they're trying to make a career in in pop music, right? And that's why we're, you know, I'm trying to think of the, you know, the, the sort of uh, the last great political band, and I'm really struggling. I'm probably looking at Rage Against the Machine. Yeah, I mean that's a fair shout. I mean, I I do say I read, yeah, you know, I think social, I think Sleaford Mods and. Some of the bands coming through in that area, you know, are are, are politicised. But well, and that's why we support benefits in Merrill Street. There's definitely a political well, angle to what they're putting across as well. Those, you know? They're just brilliant, you know. And I and that yeah. it's really, I mean, that you know, this podcast and finding out about bands like that has restored my faith in in all of this. For to be honest, because it was way yeah, yeah. I just thought it was just getting sucked into corporate capitalism and mediocrity and it's bands like that that are that give you some hope you know but there isn't enough politicization you're right and and awareness and you know i i yeah we should come back to this in, in, yeah, in future yeah. episodes but let's let's move on to trends uh fashion creative industries etc i mean did you want to kick that one off trends well i did and i wanted to kick it off and I know you wanted to do this person as well, but we can maybe do this as a joint one. Right? Yeah. I wanted to do art, and I wanted to talk about Jamie Reed. Great. Now, yeah. now you know Jamie Reed, who sadly died over the summer, uh, yeah. was responsible for some some of the most innovative artwork to accompany punk rock over the years. Uh, responsible for the majority of the uh, Sex Pistols artwork, you know the. Yeah. Uh, the buses, uh, the uh, never mind the bollocks up sleeve yeah. artwork, the holidays in the sun, God cartoon, save the queen. God save the queen, you know, the famous God save the queen with the swastika eyes, and uh, which I have adorning my living room at the moment. And, That's uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, Jamie Reed was, was so influential, 
not only in the seventies, but right up until he did he did the artwork for Pussy Riot, uh, the the Russian punk rock band uh, who I had the fortune of seeing a few years back at Glastonbury, who are definitely anti-Putin and anti you know sort of everything that's going on in their country at the moment. And uh, so a massive shout out to Jamie Reed. And I saw I saw some. Um, some photographs from his funeral and Paul Cook was there and Pete Wiley was there sporting one of his, uh, his famous, uh, you know, uh, artwork shots. Mm. And it just, it just looked amazing. That artwork was, that artwork was really uh, synonymous with punk and fitted so much alongside what Malcolm and Vivian were doing in the shop. Yeah. It was really sad to see him go. He was a real innovator and, you know, worked quite hard on, on artwork to sort of support, you know, um, environmental issues and stuff. And I, I remember he he had an exhibition uh, of his, all of his artworks, really extensive exhibition. But he did it in in Hull, in this uh, right. in this gallery in Hull. And I went with my friend Scott, uh, who lived up near there, and um, it was really excellent. You know, brilliant book you could get, and just great stuff. And we walked around, and had everything there. You know, the installations, everything through the Pistols era, and even on to the later stuff and the Pussy Riot thing. And he did this great "fuck the war" shirt with Putin in a Pussy Riot sort of balaclava, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and and a load of posters and stuff to support Pussy Riot's stand against Putin. And I, you know, there's a great, there's a great sort of hero of punk, really, Jamie Reed, and. Um, so I support you on that one, and I think we do that one as a joint one. I mean, there are some other things to talk about in in terms of trends and fashion. I mean, you know, army surplus famously became, you know, very yeah, just, just before we go, just before yeah. we go into the army surplus because it was something that we mentioned about rebellion. It was almost like the uniform of the uh, yeah. yeah punk of a punk of a certain age, a t shirt from back in the day in the army camos. But do you know who Jamie Reed was married to? Go on. Margie Clark. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, he spent a lot of his time in Liverpool uh, as well, and uh, yeah, his, his 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 wife is Margie Clark, um, which yeah, I just found amazing. out now. So yeah. there you go. There's a bit of information. I mean, I suppose, information. I suppose you know if you're going to talk about Jamie Reid and his relationship with Malcolm and Vivian, and you know, and and seditionaries and stuff, you've got to mention Acme Attractions, with his, which is an A, which is of course yeah, yeah. You know, was sort of almost the sort of counterbalance to what Vivian was doing. You know, I think Jordan sort of hovered between the two. But, well, it was uh, Don Lewis and Janet Lee, wasn't it? That's right. I mean, yeah, it was, so and it was famously, Janet there was a time when Jordan was fired by Vivian for a short period of time, and she she went to work with Don and you know and uh, Acme, and there's famously mentions it in her book, uh, Defying Gravity, which is one of my favourite books of the time from the Times. But um. Yeah, so Acme Attractions is a great one. Jamie Reed and art. I mean, it, it, what punk, you know, just it just wouldn't have been the same without the artwork, would it? I mean, it was just so exactly, integral exactly. And, and he remained relevant throughout, you know, um, yeah. you know, after punk as well. He he worked famously with I think he worked with Jimmy Cotty for a while from the KLF as well, right. and did some some artwork for them as well. So yeah, if again. There's more to check out from Jamie Reid than just his Sex Pistols, uh, you know, um, history ar- around the Sex Pistols. And a friend of mine, actually, who he, well, he's not a friend of mine. He's somebody, somebody that I've known for a while is looking after the, uh, he looks after the, the Sex Pistols. Um, what, do you, what do you call it? They're like catalogue of 
memorabilia and stuff like that. It's a guy yeah. called Eddie Locke. Eddie Locke used to run a, a, a record shop in Maidstone called Plastic Surgery, which became pretty big around dance music, but got involved with Steve Jones and uh, has built up a whole, you know, sort of uh, collect, collection yeah. of um, an extensive collection of Jamie Reed artwork and, uh, you know, memorabilia. And I think there's a Channel 4 documentary coming up about an auction that he's going to do. I'll keep you posted on that yeah, if you no, find the, the date and time. But, uh, yeah, shout out to Eddie Locke. Um, uh, who was who was seen around a lot over the summer with Steve Jones when Steve Jones was over here doing his Generation Sex stuff. But yeah, Jamie Reed. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that was a really good balance one with the with with, with that. And uh, so we're going to move on now to uh, social. Hang on, hang on, hang on. One of the things, yeah, one of the things that you did mention, trains was armband. Oh, yeah. We did mention, we <laughs> talked about that earlier, didn't we? <laughs> right. Armband. Arm right. Now, I, I have an armband. Uh, yeah. It's a chaos armband, which yeah. uh, I, I think I got with a, a Vivian Westwood shot. Uh, yeah. In fact, I've got it sitting here in my, my living room. I've got there. one as well. Yeah. So they were definitely, I, I'm much prepared the chaos armband than the uh, swastika armband. I've yeah, never, yeah, yeah. I've yeah, never yeah. adorned a swastika armband, yeah. but yeah, armbands was something that uh, trends in fashion, definitely. So I just thought I'd throw that in. Oh, yeah. I, had an, I, had a, I had an armband with an anarchist A on it, and uh, right. they're always too big for your arm, aren't they? They are. Well, I think that's them the on. No, that's the fashion, Stuart, right? Because if they were too tight, you know, you've you, you got, you got to let them hang down. You pin them on with a safety pin. The oh, safety pin will be mentioned the in the ass. So I just tucked <laughs> it in the pocket. But any, anyway, <laughs> so... The armband. Yeah, good one. Um, right, social. So things to relate to, you know, what was going on out What did people do for recreation? What did they do for entertainment? Um, do you want to kick this one off? I'm going to be a bit... Controversial in this, right? Because uh, it was punk that introduced me to this, and um, it was it. It's something that has been, uh, you know, something that's looked on as a bit dirty, right? But yeah. uh, it, it definitely across punk and goth, uh, this was definitely used uh, quite uh, recreationally by myself over the years, and then. You know, in latter years, I remember uh, a little, a little story, a little anecdote. I'm going to give you about it uh, when I signed a band to Universal, and we went and uh, celebrated. And their request was tequila slammers with amphetamine sulfate. Yeah. So amphetamine sulfate is the one that I'm going to mention for a in rec recreation, entertainment, and social. I remember going to my first gig um, back in Scotland. And I remember going to the bathroom and somebody offered me like what were called, I think they were blues at the time or something, yeah. right? And, you know, and I took one of them and, you know, and then a few months later was offered amphetamine sulfate and uh, very similar to like, you know, cocaine, white powder, like pro plus 20 times, makes you speak loads, makes you talk loads. You know, some say I'm probably still on it, but I'm not. And then, you know, I... Um, it, does have, it does have other effects on other parts of the male anatomy. It, it does, but it makes you talk really fast and, you yeah. know, and so, something, and and I talk quite fast as it is. So, uh, and then... The flying Scotsman. 
Yeah, well, exactly. And then when the sisters came along, they had a um, a great track called Amphetamine Logic, which I think was on the first, last, and always album, which uh, was, was one of my favourite albums at the time. And then in the uh, sort of early two thousands, as I said, I was managing bands at the time, and I'm, I was managing this band who are let's just call them the most punk rock band at the time, right? The uh, were in a scene which uh, could only be best described as the Whitechapel crack scene, right? <laughs> led by the likes of uh, a band called The Others and uh, Pete yeah. Doherty from the Libertines. So you get you get the idea. And we, um, you know, it was um, mid two thousands, and we signed to Universal, and they obviously we went out after the signing, and they wanted to you know have a drink to celebrate and. Yeah, the, their lawyer was there and I was there and they asked the lawyer, you know, the lawyer asked them what did they want to drink and they said, oh, we want tequilas, but we don't want salt. We want amphetamine, sulfate, tequila and lemon. And all I can say is I don't remember anything about the night after that and that was probably the last time I ever indulged. But right. amphetamine, sulfate was definitely something that came through punk yeah, speed was definitely it, a thing, and it, and I'm going to pick up. I'm going to pick up the other side of the same coin, and with my A, and I'm going right. to go with alcohol, because okay. those two things usually came arm in arm. Um, yeah, and obviously, you know, getting pissed and having the dab of speed and all the rest of it was the sort of thing at the time if you were doing drugs because it was cheap. You know, cocaine was for rock stars, and you know, and uh, but I am mindful of the time, you and um, that we spent talking about this stuff. So I'm. You know, alcohol, I think, get pissed, destroy, famously coining the phrase, but booze has been yeah. all the way through it all. And, you know, our old friend that we know and love. Oh, another thing, you know, is that, you know, recreationally and socially around the scene, there was a bit of antisocial behaviour. Or what you would call antisocial behaviour, I call a war antisocial behaviour, but other people seem to think that jumping around and having a laugh is antisocial behaviour. I don't know which one I prefer. But um, so I'm, I'm going to use the last few minutes to jump if you don't mind, into your, you know, your gig or your album in the last few minutes that we've got left. Uh, do you want to give me what is your A gig or A album? Um, I'm going to give you my A gig, Go. right? Because it's where I, you know, spent my formative years. And uh, I saw so many bands at the Apollo in Glasgow, right? And... Uh, I went to see so many bands at Glasgow Apollo, uh, too many to list. First band I saw there was The Clash. I saw The Jam there. I saw The Rosillos, The Undertones, Chibi Army. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, there are so many bands played the Glasgow Apollo. And then there was a great little venue upstairs called, oh, oh, what was it called? Oh, I was going to say Supersonic, but it might not have been called Supersonic. It was above the Apollo. And they also did bands as well. And I saw Generation X in there as well. And uh, a variety of uh, of great bands. So I'm going to go for Glasgow Apollo. Nice. Thanks for that. Okay, I'm going to do mine fairly quickly because we, we are running out of time. Yeah. And I'm going to go for an album. And it's a double A. So I'm going to go for the album Arise by the Amoebics. And the Amoeba right. like one of my favourite bands from the time. Um, sort of started off in the kind of anarcho-punk sort of scene, but kind of became a heavy kind of crusty sort of doom. Well, not metal, but sort of, you know, sludgy band. And Arise is such a great record. It's got a brilliant track on it called Largactyl. 
and uh, and I listen to it to this day. And um, I love the Amoebics. They're they're an underrated band from the time. And um, if we were to ever have any guests on, uh, well, we are we have had guests. I mean, some more guests on during this this run of podcast than the Amoebics would be great. So if you're listening, any of the Amoebics, uh, yeah. email us and we'll we'll get you on and. Um, I mean, there are so many other things. I mean, you know, the Astoria, but we'd have, but we'd have to. We'd to have the Astoria to... in London so many oh, times. The Astoria, the yeah. cramps at the Astoria, Joe Strummer at the Astoria. Oh, that was brilliant, I mean. you know. So, um, so there, so there, yeah, I would say I was a split one with the Amoebics and the Astoria. I mean, you're Apollo in Glasgow. I totally get it. Um, um, so, I mean, look, we, I mean if, if, if we were to get the Amoebics on, we could put them under T for the Amoebics. Yeah, because they're amoe- the amoebics, right? So you know we're, ha- we're going to have to. They are amoebics on on all the artwork. So uh, right, they are just eight, so. I'm going to do a little shout out here before we sign off, if you don't mind. I'm going to finish on another couple of A's, and I was driving back from the Witch Fever gig in Brighton a couple of weeks ago, and my partner um, was DJing in the car and played me right. an album called AK. 79 which was an album made in 1979 a compilation of bands from auckland um new zealand uh who who were kind of obviously picking up on the punk thing that had finally made its way all the way down to new zealand and loads of different bands um the suburban reptiles scavengers the terraways proud scum um swingers primers i mean a load of these bands i've never heard of but no they're all new to me do you play me this album and uh, uh and uh some really great tracks and i'm gonna play us out now uh with a track called mr x by the scavengers um so i'm gonna do our goodbyes because we're we're really down to the yeah. last few few seconds uh, so this, I, I, you know, I, I'd like to, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in again. Yeah. And now that we're back, we'll try and be back on a more regular basis. And uh, thanks for allowing us time off. As I said, you know, uh, life sometimes gets in the way, and I'd like to throw in before Stuart plays the track from AK seventy nine, three great albums that came out, uh, beginning with A, another music in a different kitchen with the Buzzcocks, all mod cons with the Jam, and another kind of blues by UK subs. See you next time. Thanks a lot. See you next time, guys.